sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. World Cup continues rolling on. And I got to say, man, it's it's not that it's getting to be like a slog at all. It's that we're really getting into the meat of this tournament now. And it's starting to see like the dynamic nature of World Cup soccer, where you think after game day one in a group, you're like, all right, I know who sucks and who's good. And then they have a second game day and you're like, oh, totally wrong. I know nothing about anything. I was completely wrong. And then there's going to be the third one. We're getting into those this starting this week. And some of that is stuff we'll probably anticipate. There's still going to be plenty of surprises, I am quite sure. So into all of that, we will uh, delve today as we get into it. Uh, four games that we had happen today on November 27th, Japan, Costa Rica, Belgium, Morocco, Croatia, Canada, and Spain, Germany. All of those All right. had before some pretty we, good juice was, to them. I was going to say, before we get into anything, going into the games, again, you had Japan who came from behind against Germany to shock them. You had Spain win 7 to nothing over Costa Rica. You had Belgium pull a rabbit out of their hat against Canada, who looked great. You had Morocco draw Croatia, which was one of the more... I mean, it was a fine game, but it was kind of boring to watch. Like, Croatia weren't that inspiring. Uh, And then you had Croatia and Canada, and with the Canadian coach saying, yep, we're going to F them. Yeah. No, we're going to F Croatia. So, like, it was a good good day to watch because you really... You thought you had an... Like, at least going into this day, Bone, I did. I'm like, I have a pretty good temperature of what's going on. Right. So then we start off the day with Japan and Costa Rica. And like you, I, I think we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Japan looked so impressive in how they weathered the storm against Germany. And then they found a way to just hang in there. And suddenly they counterpunched and got two goals after being down a goal for most of that game. We thought, okay, Japan taking on Costa Rica. No issues. They're going to they'll, they'll win this game, right? Not only did they not win this game, they changed <laughs> they changed the lineup. The the tactics they ran out looked like they were almost trying to lull Costa Rica to sleep. Now, I'm not sure that I would necessarily accuse Japan's management of doing this, but it almost kind of felt like they said, "Yeah, we know we can beat Costa Rica with backups, so that's mm-hmm. what we're going to attempt to do." And maybe that wasn't exactly what they were saying to themselves, but from the outside looking in, that's kind of how it appeared. And uh, what do you know? Costa Rica had different plans and they get a goal late in this one, uh, getting the winner one to nothing, beating Japan. Impressive stuff that Costa Rica is able to after just getting laughed almost out of the tournament with their first game with Spain. Everyone's saying, well, it's Cutter and them, probably the two worst teams in this thing. And now they go out and beat a team in Japan that was the darling after week one. So never say die attitude for Costa Rica. I liked it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty impressive game. I'll be 100% honest with you. I wasn't waking up on 5 a.m. wasn't waking up at 5 a.m. Uh, to watch this. So caught the uh, you know expedited highlights. And uh, it was, like you said, I mean, Japan kind of dominated the game. It was kind of reversed the script of what happened to them against Germany, right? Like they had some chances and they just weren't able to kind of take them. They dominated the game in possession and then 
Totally out of nowhere, beautiful shot by Fuller, beats the Japanese keeper. And you could see, too, I mean, he stretched literally as physically far as his body would go. The Japanese keeper did, and it was just right over the fingertip. And so they get the goal in the 81st minute. But how about the mental resolve? And I know that you liked Costa Rica more than I did coming into this tournament. And then we saw the Spain game, and we're like, eh, I don't really know. I still don't really like them. Then they right. going against Japan, who had all the momentum in the world. I mean, what a job by them for, I mean, kind of rallying the troops and saying, no, we're not going to let ourselves die in this tournament here on the second match day. We're not going to roll over for anybody. Like, what resolve they had. Yeah, really did. And it was really impressive to see. I mean, Costa Rica, this is CONCACAF, man. This is kind of the the stuff that we like to tell ourselves CONCACAF can be at times is that you can have these plucky teams that can weather the storm, give up some possession, but tough it out and find a way to get a goal. That's what I mean. You've been hoping with the U.S., right? Where, you know, with England, it wasn't that the U.S. was giving up all the possession. They were, I thought, the more dominant team. But still, you knew England was the better side so you hope that it would go zero zero for a while and then the u.s would get something in the 80th minute and maybe that would just break the will of england and let it be a winner instead you got the draw which is fine costa rica actually was able to do more of what we're talking about there where they they played germany even for 80 minutes even though germany or germany why am i saying that costa rica had japan even for 80 minutes as far as the scoreline but japan had a lot of the play and then they costa rica gets a goal Kaiser Fuller gets the goal and scores for them, and <laughs> off we go. There you go, changing up that whole bracket. So They had one shot on goal the entire game, <laughs> and that one shot on goal went in the back of the net. You know what? That is called efficiency. Some might say that's a lack of firepower. I'd say that's efficiently using the firepower <laughs> you have. That's the way I'd look at that one. Um, so we'll, we'll keep this one, Group E. We'll stay right there because Germany and Spain now – also played today, and that was the one that was at the end of the day, but we'll get to the other Group F action in a second. Spain, Germany, tie 1-1 uh, mm-hmm. in this game, and it's something that is a little weird to see from Spain. I guess not totally, given that they have a seven-goal differential, and they pretty much know with two draws, they're pretty likely to get in after their first win. Sure. But Germany's the toughest opponent they're going to face this entire stretch you would think now they get the draw out of Germany certainly not what Spain I think would ideally want but they're still not in a bad spot Germany remains alive by they would have remained alive anyway if they technically would have lost they still could have been in the they wouldn't have been officially eliminated by this but now they're very much in the running to to be able to move on uh with their final matchup against Costa Rica that that Assuming Germany can put something together, their problem has been they just do not have any forwards. Thomas Muller is 33 years old. Yeah. I mean, who was the guy that scolded for them? Like, it was like Verklump or something. I can't remember what his name is. But <laughs> Fulkring. Fulkring. Sorry, whatever. I don't mean to mock his name. I'm just saying, like, it wasn't necessarily a guy that you've heard of and you're like, oh, yeah, one of the stars of Germany. Like, oh, he's yeah. Good. I know that guy. Got a ton of Fulkring jerseys in my closet. <laughs> right. So, and I don't know. I, I Maybe I've just, like, had a seizure and made this up, but I thought Thomas Muller at some point had retired from international soccer. And then maybe like after the euros or before the euros, and then he was talked back into playing. Anyway, the idea here is that he still is their best option up top. And that's not great. 
So it was pretty fascinating to watch. Uh, I, I enjoyed the the hell out of this match. Um, <laughs> it was uh, pretty good. So they both kind of play the same systems, right? I mean, their midfield, both their midfields are pretty unbelievable. And so uh, whenever, whenever, whichever team had possession was on the ball, like you could tell the chances were coming. And for the most part, I mean, Spain kind of dominated this game bone for the first 30 minutes. Uh, and then the last 15, man, was kind of like a German tidal wave uh, of the first half. And... I believe Germany had their first free kick of the game, and Antonio Rudiger made a run, but he was ruled offside. He put the ball in the net, uh, and unfortunately for the Germans, it got waved offside. And then you get into the second half, uh, and you had Alvaro Morata scoring a goal for the Spaniards. I think it was the 60s, I don't know, sometime in the 60th minute. Uh, they put the ball in the back of the net, and they're up 1-0. So all of a sudden, Germany's like, well, we got to press. We got to do everything that we can. Um, but if you... It's kind of deceiving if you look at just the possession numbers. You're like, boys, you know, Germany, we're lucky to get out of the point of it. Like, yeah, kind of, but that's what Spain does. They control the ball. They might not have the most explosive offense in the world. And that's also kind of what we've been talking about with Spain. Like, yeah, Alvaro Morata, sure, he's good. And Spanish, the Spanish team have a lot of creative playmakers. But at the same time, uh, they're kind of going through that same thing. So their talisman scores, Morata, their striker. And Germany had more opportunities in this game, though, even though they had far less of the ball. Uh, you look at Germany, they put four shots on target. I believe they have a they had 11 shots in total as well. Uh, missed a couple of big opportunities. And again, it goes back to what we were saying with this German team against Japan. Like they have great opportunities to score the ball. But right now, for whatever reason, they just cannot break through. So maybe... Uh, this 1-1 draw, it's going to set them up for a fantastic matchup. They've got Costa Rica and then Japan play Spain. Um, but if they can't put the ball in the back of the net, sure. I mean, they can win, you know, 1-0 or they can tie 0-0, whatever. Uh, and they look fantastic doing it. But just the inability for them to put the ball in the net is a serious concern for them. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, the way Group E now sets up, Spain is on four points. Japan and Costa Rica both with three Obviously, goal differential for Costa Rica, problematic with minus six. So uh, that's not great. And Germany's still alive with their one point. Uh, Their matchups, of course, in the next match day will be Spain taking on Japan and Germany taking on Costa Rica. Don't know how to really read that Japan team at this point, you know? like Yeah, especially going up against Spain now as well. Yeah, I I mean, mean, and I don't think Spain is nearly as bad as what, uh, you know, I mean, you would think their firepower is somewhere in between seven goals a game and the one they managed today against (laughs) a much, you know, what you would think is a much determined Germany side, right? Like, as much as we talked about offensively, Germany having trouble scoring, Spain, I mean, the midfield for Germany is still good. Defensively, they're still solid. Like, Spain still had to contend with all that. It's not so much about, you know, the, Germany just sucks. It's that Spain needed to break down that entire team. I think Japan's a little easier to break down, but again, they're going to be fighting for their lives. They want to stay in this World Cup. They think they've squandered an opportunity against Costa Rica. Yeah, so, remember four years ago they didn't make it out of the group stage either. Yeah, I right. Mean, so it's obviously not living up to expectations. The, the the really cool thing though today from that match is like you see the future of soccer and where it's going and Meredith doesn't watch a ton, but you know, she'll watch like if it's on TV and I'm like, remember these guys' names? I'm like Pedri, Gavi and Musiala. She was like, why would I, why would I need to know that? I'm like, they're the three best players in the field. They're both, they're all three of them. Pedri might be 20, but all three of them are 19 or 20 years old. And I'm like, remember four years ago when this Killian Mbappe guy came on the scene? Like, just those guys are kind of going to be fast-tracked to be 
being those kind of players. No, they're obviously different positions than what they play, but those three players, the youngest players in the teams were the, the best players in the field. I thought today for all 22 players on the field bone. Uh, and that was pretty impressive. So if you're looking ahead to decision day in this group, it's kind of convoluted. Um, so if Germany beat Costa Rica just by a single goal, so if they just win the match and Japan draws against Spain, then the qualification will be decided by the number of goals scored. If Germany wins by two or more goals and Japan draws or loses, Germany will qualify. So it's uh, it's very confusing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a lot of math that I'm not ready for right this point. But yeah, it's it's going to be a, it's that's what makes this all very interesting, right? Like that's why they play those games at the same time because everyone's going to be scoreboard watching and trying to do their best to go out there and and obviously play their game, but also they're going to have an eye to what's happening in the other team's matchups. So keep an eye on those two games as they come uh, later on this upcoming week. Let's switch to Group F now because there was tons of intrigue in this one too. Where do you Mm -hmm. want to start? Do you want to start with uh, your guy Alfonso Davies becoming the first Canadian male to score in a World (laughs) Cup? And let's just end that for Canada. That was a nice highlight. Let's just only talk about that. Or do you want to... Go it talk was about within the first two minutes of the game. <laughs> well, right. And all right, let's start with Canada, Croatia. Okay. Cause Croatia won this game four to one. After we mentioned yesterday, John Herdman, the, the head coach for Canada said, <laughs> we're going to F Croatia. F like, yeah. and at first I thought all he right. was just saying it more like, Oh, just go, you know, just F whoever, like we're, we're, we're Canada, which is what he was trying to get to. But he literally was like, Put it out of your mind what just happened here against Belgium. We're going to go F, Can- F Croatia. And it's like, uh, oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay, then. Um, the If you were wondering, the Croatian players did not miss those comments. They were very aware of them. Um, so <laughs> did you see what uh, Kramaric had to say after the game? I did. I did see what he had to say after the game. And you and I were talking about it. And I loved it from the Canadian coach. I loved it from John Herdman. If I was a Canadian, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But if I'm Croatian, here's what Kramer said. He goes, I want to thank the Canada coach for the motivation. In the end, Croatia demonstrated who F2. <laughs> Listen, I wish I could. I mean, again, I don't know if that was translated or not. I kind of want that to be in English. And then I hope that that's how good he speaks English. Because like, we demonstrated yeah, right. who F2, but either way. Pretty great. I don't even know the who and whom debate. No, no, no. And I've been speaking English for 30 years of my life. Yeah, true enough. Uh, Herdman, by the way, was asked after the game, did he have any regrets? And he said, not in the first 20 minutes, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right on. And then Croatia dialed it up and and see ya. So Canada, their World Cup is over. I mean, they have one more game, obviously, but they cannot advance. Yeah, they're done. They are out of this group. By the way, they lost four to one. I don't know if we said that. Oh, yeah. I thought I did. Yeah, they lost four to one to Croatia. Croatia routed them. It was not close. And that was, I mean, after the the early part of that game, you thought maybe it was going to be because Canada gets a goal right off the bat. And you think, oh, maybe, maybe this is what's happening. But... No, that was uh, that was that was a pretty clear cut victory and decisive victory for Croatia. Every they, time Canada gave the ball up, it was just a odd number fast break. Yeah. for Croatia, like every time. And that's that's just not something that Canada can not against them. You can't do that against them. No, they can't. But they can't weather a lot of teams that have that amount of talent running at them and that level of experience and all that other stuff. Um, by the way, I found something odd about what. Herdman said after the game. Um, so he he had these quotes where he said, I think there's respect for Croatia 
as I keep saying, we're here to push as far as we can. He said, you know, I'll take that one on the chin, but I think we showed in those first 25 minutes that little Canada can compete with the world. I went and because I thought like maybe I'm crazy, but I don't mm -hmm. think Canada is little Canada compared to Croatia. And I don't mean landmass. I mean, like, you know, because we always talk about the amount of population you have. I guess that doesn't totally matter in the world of soccer. Right. But just for comparative purposes, Croatia is three point eight nine million people. <laughs> Canada has thirty eight million people like they're not smaller in any measurement landmass population. I mean, I amount of hockey player like they're all like there's more of them in Canada. So if I don't only know our best hockey athletes played soccer. Right. <laughs> God, that gets so annoying. And again, if you're new to soccer and you've maybe like, well, yeah, why is that a bad thing? B because it insinuates that like Christian Pulisic is a terrible athlete and we just got some beer leaguer to show up and play soccer like. There are great athletes playing soccer for the U.S. There are great athletes playing soccer for Canada. Sure, there are also some great athletes playing hockey in Canada or playing basketball in the U.S. But I don't. People who think LeBron James would come in and save you because he's six eight and two hundred and sixty pounds, don't think that. You see a lot of six foot eight, two hundred sixty pound guys dominating in soccer. All these countries have guys that big. They don't all have guys that can play soccer because six foot eight, <laughs> two sixty isn't the ideal body type. Dirk Nowitzki loves soccer and he was German. <laughs> And they told him to go get a basketball and leave the soccer to the short, tiny dudes. That's how that worked. Just because you're big doesn't mean you can play anyway. But yeah, I just thought I just, this idea that like, I know what he means because Canada is small in their right. world. They're Cup. in their infant. Yes. They're yes. in their infancy of this is the first time they've nation. scored a goal in the world cup. And the first time they've been there in damn near 40 years. Right. So I get it. Like he he's making the point that little old Canada that just got kind of started of being a good team again, but it's not the same thing, right? You are not a little country by any stretch of the imagination. This is yeah, whatever. Anyway, there you go. So you've got one more match there uh, to talk about in that group and we will do so. That is Morocco and Belgium, mm. which you want to talk about some guys who are listening to things. The Belgian players are also hearing things, but they're not getting the same motivation that Croatia did. Because have you noticed how many Belgian players, like Kevin De Bruyne has brought this up, a few other guys have said it, even after the game, Belgium loses this game to Morocco. And so after the game, I forget which Belgian player was asked about it, um, but it was essentially maybe we just the, – the, the comments they've been saying are, well, we're too old, so we probably can't win the World Cup. Like Kevin De Bruyne has said that. And I think then it was Jan, Jan Vertonghen had. Yes, Vertonghen is the one who. That's yeah. right. Vertonghen said like, "Well, maybe we just couldn't keep up with them because we're too old." It's like that's not funny when you actually. That is the big question now, isn't it? Like, you should be worried if you're Belgium. You, oh, they, they look. I mean, they look disheveled. They are. So I was wrong about them. I'm like, you know what? This team is probably their last go round with the golden generation. We can talk about Roberto Martinez and how long he's been the, the coach of Belgium and if he has failed doing his job and which I don't know. I mean, it's Belgium, you know, they haven't really had any more success than they're having right now in this run with this current generation of players. I look totally past their form. I'm like, they'll get it ramped up. They'll get it good to go. They are a shell of what they were in 2018 for the world cup. They just, I mean, they got pounded by Morocco in this latter stages of the game. And then they kind of keyed it up a little bit and then got burned on the counterattack to give up a second goal. Like they're, I don't know, man, Courtois, one of the best goalies in the world, obviously playing for Real Madrid. He's a superstar. He lets in a free kick from Ziyech that he probably saves 99 times out of a hundred. Took a weird bounce in front of him. Couldn't handle it. Uh, and then from there, like mentally, they just poof, like collapsed. Yeah. I mean, it, 
and I don't think it's just because Lukaku's not out there. Like, there's more to this, right? Like, I think you also have to question tactically what Roberto Martinez is doing, right? Yeah. Because he's he's had to switch things up a little bit. He had some weird formation he was running out there. It was like a three four two one in their first game, and then they had like a hybrid back three, kind of back four. It would morph during the game. And then now they kind of switch things up to a more like standardized four five one four two three one, however you want to look at that, and it put Eden, Eden Hazard back centrally. But so what? Like it's still. I mean, you're they're not playing well. Belgium is not. And I, I you know what? We spent a lot of time saying that about Belgium in this little podcast here. But we should give tons of credit to Morocco being really good. Like correct. Zayesh, like you said, has has been just a monster for them. Even if he doesn't have the the goal scoring numbers, like. He's setting up things left and right for them. He keeps putting them in dangerous spots. He, Their whole team feeds off of how well he's been playing. And yeah, Morocco is in a great spot now. They they truly, I think, have uh, By the way, if they get to the round things. of 16, uh, watch out for them. Like, if in case you haven't watched any Morocco. Oh, my gosh, uh, This yes. World Cup, like, they're a team to be like, oh, dark horse team. Because they, when they're on their day, like you said, when Ziyech is going and you've got Akimi as well back there, like, oof, they're pretty terrifying yeah they're <laughs> i'm just saying man like with morocco and croatia it's not all done here right like croatia still has to get past belgium and belgium is not out of anything but if they don't unlock that croatia you know kind of what they've become now where they're just motivated they're playing fiercely like they're they're not backing down from anyone croatia and they're looking at belgium going they're right for the picking Oh, of course. Belgium easily can get bounced in this tournament. Morocco, meanwhile, like they're looking at it going, if Belgium and Croatia tie, we can win the group. You know, right. even if that doesn't happen, they could potentially even if win they the get a point, even if they get a point, regardless of what yeah. happens in yeah. the other game, they get yeah. a point. They're through the next round. Oh, yeah. They only have to tie Canada. Morocco does to get through. But Morocco probably is looking at this like we need to also, you know, F Canada <laughs> instead of right. F in Croatia as Canada wanted to. Like Morocco's probably just looking at it like we need to go take three points from Canada and be fully in form as we go and hopefully win the group and move on. Cause uh yeah, who would they face coming out? They would face the second if they win, they play, face the second place team out of group E and then vice versa if they come in second. So who knows what that's gonna be with the Spain, Japan whole mess there yeah right germany still in the mix like you don't know what you're getting out of that so you probably best bet is just win the group and hope you play the crappiest team out of group e that gets it through i mean that's the way i would go about it obviously if you're in morocco's position but they're playing as well as anybody right now in the world cup so uh and obviously croatia isn't, isn't playing bad either so that's a hell of a little group there going on pretty exciting stuff uh, yeah it was fun man i had a, i had a fantastic time Watching those games, I felt so bad for Canada too. And then I like compartmentalized the comments that Herbman made. I'm like, eh, maybe just don't do that. Well, next time. right. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him for being hyped for his team. It's a, a big deal, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, maybe next time, just leave that one, maybe a little bit yeah. less, <laughs> less unsaid. Keep that in the locker room if you can. But all right, we'll take a break. Come back and tell you what is on tap for Monday's action in the World Cup. You're listening to Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. what's on tap in the world cup for monday as we get rolling with groups f no g and h 
How many groups are there? I'm so screwed Eight up. Eight groups, G and H. You're G and correct. H. I got it right. Okay, because I thought we were just talking about E and F, so we should be on, yeah, G and H. Whatever. The point is, here we go. Um, you've got four matchups tomorrow. Cameroon and Serbia start us off 5 a.m. for that one. South Korea and Ghana at 8 a.m. Brazil and Switzerland, that's one that I have my eye on just because anytime Brazil's playing, I'm very interested in this Brazil team. You've got the Neymar situation with his ankle. Switzerland is not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. Brazil had a ton of chances but couldn't seem to bury as many of them as they thought they would and it took a, a bicycle kick to get them one of their two goals in this tournament so far. So what do they look like in this match day? I'm, I'm very curious about. And then Portugal-Uruguay should be a very good matchup as well. This, this, is all, this is what we want in the World Cup. There's four good matchups here, I feel like. Yeah, no doubt about it. Your 5 a.m. game for tomorrow, uh, I would imagine that you're going to see a lot of panic uh, in these in these two two games or two teams, excuse me. Uh, so remember, Brazil beating Serbia on that first match day, and then Switzerland pulling one a rabbit out of the hat against Cameroon. Um, so both these teams between Cameroon and Serbia are on no points. So I feel like three points are going to be at a premium. One point probably isn't going to be enough uh, to be able to get it done as we start kind of projecting and predicting where uh, both these teams are going to come in at. So Serbia had minus two goal differential already, and I know they were a lot of people's kind of darling picks uh, as to, you know, to go through and make some real serious noise. Like if that's going to be the case, then uh, that's going to have to happen sooner rather than later. And would imagine that they're going to feel decently confident going up against this Cameroon team. Uh, you look at Mitrovic and Tadic and I mean, just the guys that they have, right? I mean, uh, Serbia, very, very good. We know that. And then Cameroon with like a better, decent display than what most people thought, at least me coming into this tournament. Um, and so, yeah, the 5 a.m. game tomorrow, like heavy consequences already, like kickstarting you out of this group early tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if Serbia gets a win against Cameroon, that puts them on three points. And let's say Brazil beats Switzerland. What do we talk about in our group previews? Serbia and Switzerland, no love loss between those two teams. That would be your third game. Two teams on three points with a round of 16 berth on the line. And then that's pretty much all that would be left decided in that final. Woof. (laughs) That would be some tension, I would think, going through the ranks for that one. So, yeah, this could set up very interesting. But, of course, tomorrow we got to see what happens. You know, Cameroon could... Certainly throw a wrench in all that. Serbia is, uh, yeah, a very tough team there. So those bottom two playing together, it's not like your typical bottom two, I would think, by any stretch. You could still see this be a very interesting matchup there. Uh, And the other two games we talked about, uh, South Korea and Ghana. Right now, South Korea has the point. Uh, Ghana has none. Ghana almost got the point off of Portugal when they almost picked it off the goalie in their when the when the Portuguese goalie dropped the ball in the yes. 99th minute right. and I mean it was crazy the fact that he didn't put that away was nuts but the fact that Ghana just kept coming back Portugal went up one and then Ghana would come back like it was just I don't know man it was kind of it was yeah one of the crazier games that I've seen so far Ghana was definitely surprising in that game for me and that's why like I'm saying when we talked about it before the start of the show like I don't feel like I really know what to expect match day to match day. I have no idea what to pick out of this Group H right now. You know what I mean? Like right. this Uruguay or Uruguay and Portugal matchup could easily be one that's an all-timer. It could also be a Portugal walk. It could be something. I, I don't know. Like it's, I see that going a few different ways. And South Korea-Ghana should be a very interesting matchup as well. And 
at the, after this result, then we're talking about it getting particularly dicey for certainly if Ghana doesn't get a point out of their matchup, uh, they're probably toast. Uruguay certainly would like to come away with a point from Portugal and say, here we go. Like we're still Uruguay in and one. South Korea in their first game was the only goal, only game in World Cup history where there were zero shots registered on target for yeah. 90 for 90 minutes. I don't think that's going to hold that those two teams will no. not register shots <laughs> the rest of the either. way out. I expect them both to put up much better fights. So, yeah, fun, fun little matchup here coming up tomorrow for your Monday. If you're maybe, I don't know, trying to just get back in your work week. Why? Why bother? Like, get, get the meeting out of the way you got to in the morning and then flip on the soccer and set your inbox to, you know, do not disturb and just go. <laughs> just enjoy it. It's a world That's Cup, what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, that's right. Just don't even do the show. Just, you know, six o'clock rolls I think, around. Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to do the show tomorrow, our live local morning show, just all on the World Cup. I don't mm. think there needs to be anything else that needs to be. <laughs> you addressed. know what? No need to. Why? Why talk about anything else, especially regarding college football in mm. Ohio? over the weekend there's no need to talk about it sounds good to me beam well thanks for doing this we will check in again on monday with you with an update on all those games we just talked about and of course we might have a little thought going into tuesday with the matchup between the u.s and iran all of that and more are coming up tomorrow on the podcast thanks for listening send us a like or a review or a favorite or a whatever your podcast app lets you do and follow us on twitter at bone beam united until next time thanks for listening to bone and beam united enjoy the soccer 